Hosea chapter 1, verse 7. I do appreciate, and I, I have other tithes that have come in from our church members and stuff, and I'll finish sorting through those when I get through preaching. But I get humbled. Uh, Megan Newman and Rusty Newman uh, wanted to make sure their ties got here on time, and they were contacting me this week. And it just made me think. I thought, you know, people care. They care about keeping God's kingdom going. And it, it, it makes me love them, and it makes me very, very humble uh, to be able to minister to people with such uh, devoted hearts to God. The title of the message this morning is A House Divided. A House Divided. Now, last week our study ended in verse 6, where Hosea's wife gave birth to a daughter whom God told Hosea to name Loruk Hamah, which means not pitied. And we learned that God was no longer going to tolerate Israel's persistent sin. He had had mercy on them in the past. He had exercised his loving patience and warned them repeatedly. But now his patience had run out and he would have mercy no more on them. Verse 6 says, And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Laru Kamah. For I will no more, I'm sorry, I will yeah, no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Meaning God would drive the Israelites away from their homeland by the hand of their enemies. And now we need to pause here for a moment or we're not going to understand the title or understand the depth of the verse we're reading and we need to remind ourselves that at this point in history, the people of Israel are divided into two nations. They were one nation racially, but they were two nations politically. They were all the descendants of Abraham, but the twelve tribes of Abraham, which made up the nation of Israel, were now politically divided because of their sin. Most of those 12 tribes had split off from the rule of King David's lineage. And they became a kingdom of their own. Which in the scriptures is called the kingdom of Israel. And only the two tribes of Benjamin and Judah stayed underneath the lineage of King David's leadership. King David was the, the one who um, was from the tribe of Judah. In those two tribes were now referred to as the kingdom of Judah. The tribe of Levi, of course, it was dispersed throughout the promised land. They didn't have their own inheritance as far as land goes. Because their service to God was their inheritance. So there's some still in the kingdom of Judah. There's some still in the kingdom of Israel. Uh, they're dispersed throughout the promised land. So many of the, the tribe of Levi were still in that kingdom of Judah which was headquartered in Jerusalem. The reason this is important is because when you have those main tribes, those ten tribes, and they say, we're not going to let the kingdom of David, we're not going to let his lineage reign over us anymore. We're going to go off get our own king. We'll be our own boss. Well, when they did that, 
and they split off from the kingdom of Judah. The kingdom of Judah's capital is in Jerusalem. Guess what else is in Jerusalem? The temple. The headquarters of their worship to God. Which, by the way, it was a sin to offer your sacrifices any place but that temple. Through anyone but through those priests. Any way except the one way God established. So not being part of Judah, it helped promote idolatry in Israel. Something to substitute what they left. Instead of worshiping the one true God. So the kingdom of Israel, which did not have the temple in their land, became more of an idolatrous nation than the kingdom of Judah did. While the kingdom of Judah, they certainly had their own struggles with sins and with idolatry and things like that. But still, they stayed closer to God's word than their sister Israel did. And because Judah stayed closer to God's word, God told the kingdom of Israel, I will have mercy on you no more. I'll have pity on you no more. Now we get into verse 7 where we're at today. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. See that? Judah would indeed be judged for their sins. But not as soon and not as severely as the kingdom of Israel would. It must have been very difficult for the people of Israel to hear the prophet Hosea preach against their sins. To warn them of the judgment to come. That he would have no mercy on them anymore. While at the same time letting them know that the kingdom of Judah would receive mercy. God would not have pity upon Israel. But he would have pity upon the house of Judah. They probably thought God wasn't being very fair, singling them out like that, don't you think? <laughs> they probably figured the prophet Hosea must have been on the kingdom of Judah's side, so he was prophesying in their favor. I can just hear them now, accusing Hosea's prophecy of being politically motivated. Can't you? That's a good way to dis dismiss the truth. What's well, politically motivated? I can hear them now telling uh, their people that Hosea's prophecy was nothing but a bunch of hate propaganda spewed by religious far-right extremists. Hosea. That's what they would do. But no matter what they said, no matter how they attacked Hosea, God's word would come to pass. Israel would not be pitied, but Judah would. And I believe this application, and I think you are already making the application this morning, but I believe this prophecy has great application to us today. The Jews back then were a divided people. They were supposed to be one nation following God, but they were really two nations running away from God. The only thing was, one nation was running a little faster away from God than the other one was. It's kind of like us, isn't it? Like those Jews, America today is a divided nation. I'm amazed at the polls sometimes. I'm amazed at the election results sometimes. Sometimes it's just by a razor's edge that one party wins. It's like we're divided right down the middle. 
our nation is polarized. We're uh, ideologically split. That causes our national leadership to be at great odds with each other. And besides the national leadership, our nation is comprised of 50 different states. And although our states are joined together nationally, we are separated somewhat constitutionally, aren't we? We enjoy a certain degree of sovereignty as a state. We have the ability to pass our own state laws. We have our own state budget. We have our own state constitution. We can elect our own state leaders that represent our values. And it was the same way with Judah and Israel. They were the same people. They were all the children of Abraham. But each group had the right to govern themselves, to decide for themselves if if they were going to be a God-fearing nation or a godless nation. In the United States of America today, you can go to prison for killing the unborn in one state. Or you can be celebrated as a hero for killing that same baby in another state. Now that's divided, isn't it? You can go to jail for standing your ground and shooting someone breaking into your home in one state. Or you can be considered a hero for doing so in another state. That's division. We are the same nation, but we're divided as states. And the fact that God was announcing His mercy upon these southern tribes of Judah who stood by His word longer than the northern tribes did shows us that God sees the difference when the nation is divided. Thank God for that. Thank God that He doesn't just lump everybody all together and just condemn them. We were studying about Noah and the ark this morning in the Genesis to Jesus class. I thank God that he didn't lump everybody all together. Thank God that he hears the prayers of many American citizens today who are disgusted with the sins of our wicked nation. There are many times when I listen to the news and I hear what's going on, I say, dear God, I'm sorry. As a citizen of this country, I condemn this. And many of our other fellow Christians, we condemn this, Lord. Have mercy on us as your people. And I hope you pray the same. But thank God He hears our prayers. The Jews in Israel, were uh, they, they far outnumbered the Jews in Judah. Far outnumbered them. But God did not lump them all together and judge them as a single group. God called Israel out for what she did wrong. And God called Judah out for what she did wrong. And she judged each people accordingly. And he found Judah to be worthy of his extended mercy and Israel to be unworthy of it. Our nation today is in a great state of spiritual decline. We are divided people and I believe that both sides are running from God. It's just that one side's running away a whole lot faster, just like back in Hosea's time. And God will hold us accountable But I take great comfort in the fact of knowing that our God sees the difference in a divided nation. I take great comfort in knowing that God knows how to distinguish the hearts of people and judge them according to their works. Every state in our union is guilty of neglecting God's word, including the state of Texas. God bless the state of Texas and the state of Florida. 
We're all guilty. But like Judah, I thank God that in spite of our many shortcomings in the state of Texas, we still live in a state that protects our freedom to worship God and still stands against many of the other great sins that the other states are committing. And God will judge the state of Texas and for our sins, and I believe in, in many ways He's doing so right now. But like the kingdom of Judah, I believe God-fearing states like Texas will be the last state standing when the union begins to fall. If you've, if you've noticed, if you look at states like Texas and Florida, you will see that they have prospered in recent years when many of the godless liberal states have declined. Our businesses go up. Our economy goes up. Do you realize in the state of Texas, you know what our debt is in the state of Texas? We owe nobody anything. The national government's trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, and they're constantly raising that debt ceiling up, getting more and more and more in debt. In the state of Texas, it's our constitution. We can't have debt. It's against our state constitution. You know what we have in Texas? We have a surplus. People are fleeing other states to come to Texas and making their homes. Fleeing other states and going to places like Florida and making their homes. So even though we should all expect the judgment of God to continue in our land, and it will, I believe we should take comfort in knowing that God will continue to have pity on those who work righteousness and fear His name, even though He may judge our neighbors more severely who do not. This is why it's important for us as Christians to vote. Not to vote our conscience, but to vote according to the standards of God's Word. You know, godless leaders in America, they have been feeding Christians lies for a bunch of years. And don't you believe a word of it. They have been telling us that religion has no place in politics. It's funny. They put their beliefs into action. They don't want our beliefs to be put into action. They said, oh, religion has no place in politics. You have to keep God and country separate. But the book of Hosea tells us differently. The book of Hosea tells us that uh, what, what we see in the country here is that, that uh, this, this country, Israel, they did keep God separate. And then God judged them because of it. The people telling us to keep God and country separate, they're the people who are fumbling the ball. They're the people who are in decline. The truth is it's impossible to keep God and country separate. For every sin is an offense against God. And when a nation sins, the nation sins against God. And when a nation works righteousness, it does so unto God who established that nation. You can't keep God and country separate any more than you can keep water and snow separate. It's God who raises nations up. It's God who casts them down. In your, in your margin or in your notes, write down Jeremiah 18, 7 through 10. Jeremiah 18, 7 through 10. Listen to what God says. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, not my nation, not Israel or Judah, a nation, any nation. He said, at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up and to pull it down 
and to destroy it. So who, who plucks up, pulls down, destroys nations? God does. He said, if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. So he says, if I, if I say I'm going to destroy a nation and that nation changes their mind and they turn back to me, he said, then I, I, won't, I won't destroy them. And then he says, and at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. So God raises nations up. God puts nations down. You can't separate a nation from God without, uh, without uh, putting forth and initiating that nation's ultimate decline and fall. The only nation that's going to stand forever is the one built upon Jesus Christ. The temple worship would continue for a time in Judah. And because they held out faithful to God longer than Israel did, they would enjoy their freedom as a nation longer than Israel would. But eventually, eventually Judah also would be judged for her sins. She would be carried away captive from her land as well. And the temple would be destroyed. And it was. And as God had promised, He would have mercy on them. He would deliver them from their oppressor. He would return them back to their homeland. He would rebuild their temple. Look back in your text. God says, and will save them. He not only would have mercy upon them, He said, and will save them. You know, people, that word save, people who aren't in trouble, they don't want to be rescued from trouble. They don't want to be saved from trouble. They want to be protected from trouble. They don't want any trouble to come their way. But Judah would have to be rescued. She would have to be saved because as conservative as Judah was, her sins still got her into trouble. And we need to learn from this lest we ever get to thinking that we are so much better than our liberal neighbors. And that God loves us so much here in the south that he's not going to hold us accountable for our wrong. Don't ever get so proud like that of thinking, well, look how much worse they are than us. Yes. And God will judge them worse. But if we don't stick together as a nation here, and listen, it's not, it's not political ideology that makes us thrive. It's righteousness that makes us thrive. And if you ever try to be unrighteous and thrive at the same time, you're going to be that nation that's running slower away from God. Here's a kingdom truth. God may have mercy on our sins, but He will never excuse them. Eventually, it's going to be payday someday. As it was so famously said. Because of their sins, Judah would suffer a great military defeat and lose their national sovereignty. But because God promised King David that he would bring a savior through his lineage, through the kingdom of Judah. Or through the, the tribe of Judah. God would preserve the nation of Judah and restore the temple after it was destroyed. God would save them, Hosea said, look back in your text, by the Lord their God. That's how salvation comes. It comes by the Lord. When God delivered Judah, He would do so by His own power, not by any military might. 
nor by any fighting conducted by the Jews, lest they become proud and begin to believe in themselves as their own deliverers. Like our salvation as Christians, their salvation would be by the Lord their God. God said, I will save them by the Lord their God, look back in your text, and will not save them by bow. Now, remember, God said in a previous verse we studied that he would break the bow of Israel. Remember that? And, and we learned then that that bow was an icon of their military strength. So God would not save you to buy bow. It means he would not save them through their, milita- their military strength. Look back in your text, nor by sword lest there be any mistake about what God's talking about, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Assuring Israel that salvation, again, like ours, would not come by any earthly force, by any earthly might, but by God's Spirit and God's grace. And this deliverance was given by the word of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Who after conquering Babylon, he ordered the people of Judah to go free and rebuild your temple. He said, go rebuild your temple. You're free. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1 through 5 says, Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites and with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. That was the kingdom of Judah. Going back, receiving that mercy, because they stayed closer to God, they still received the punishment. They still received God's judgment. But again, it wasn't as soon, and it wasn't as severe. So Judah didn't fight a battle. The battle was fought for them. By the the word of God, Cyrus declared, this is what God told me to do. You people go back and rebuild the house of God. Judah didn't fight a battle. The battle was fought for them. Their freedom was declared. Then by faith, they acted on the good news they heard, and they went home. That's how it goes when your salvation is won by the Lord your God. (laughs) The battle is fought for you. Your freedom is declared. And by faith, you act upon the good news you hear, and then you go home to your God. Isn't that good, Brother Doug? (laughs) You see, the greatest enemy we have, as Israel and Judah found out, the greatest enemy we have is not the Babylonians or the Russians or the liberals or the Chinese. The greatest enemy of every nation is sin. The greatest enemy of every person is sin. 
And on the cross, the Lord your God won the battle over sin for you. Through the gospel, the good news of your freedom has been proclaimed. And by faith, we act upon the good news we hear. And we return home to our God. Salvation is not by our power, nor by our might, but by God's Spirit, through God's grace, accomplished by God's Son. We're talking about a house divided this morning. We're talking about God singling out two different groups. Do you realize that's what's going to happen in the last day? The last day, there's going to be the greatest division ever made. Ever made. I remember one time I was pastoring a church and we had some folks that just, man, they simply would not follow the Bible. Then we had another group of folks that would. They wanted to follow the Bible. And it got so bad that uh, I finally told them, I said, I, I can't continue pastoring here if you're not going to follow the Word of God. And the group that wanted to follow the Bible, they said, we're going to have a meeting. We want to be our own church. We don't want you to not be our pastor anymore. Will you come to this meeting? And I said, I will. And this old preacher came up to me one day. He pulled me off to the side. He said, Brother Richard, you're young. You still have a future as a pastor. But when word gets out that you split this church, your future as a pastor will be done. And I looked at him and I said, Brother, I'm not worried about splitting this church. I said, One day Jesus is going to come back and cause the biggest church split you've ever seen. And he will. There's going to be a house divided. He's going to come back. The rapture is going to take place. And those who are in Christ Jesus are going to go up to meet him in the air. And those who are religious, but who did not take refuge in the ark, as we talked about this morning in Sunday school, those who are religious, but they came the way of Cain. Those who are religious, but they refuse to follow the word of God and come God's way by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They threw off his word and they said, we'll not have this man to rule over us. Those people are going to be left behind. And their judgment will be like Israel's judgment. Lorukamah. Mercy no more. Right now, God, through the gospel message, is extending out His mercy to every person who hears His word. He's calling them to repent and to return back to Him through the cross where Jesus died. He's calling for them to be reunited to Him, to have their sins forgiven, to have life restored. If only they will confess their sin, plead guilty, if you will, as guilty sinners, and accept the pardon from that guilt and from that punishment that's granted through Jesus' death in their place. Do you have that pardon today? Let me encourage you today. You can come to church all you want to. 
You can come to church every single service. You can sit in the same pew every single time. You can smile and say hello to all the people. You can come, you can put all the money you want to down here. You can't buy God's forgiveness. You can't buy God's pardon. That pardon was paid for at the cross where Jesus died. It must be accepted freely by faith. Not by might. Not by bow. Not by sword. Not by horses and horsemen. It must come through Christ alone. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If not, then one day He's going to come back and that hand that has been reaching out to you all these years, pleading for you to come to God through faith in Jesus Christ, the hand's going to be drawn back and God will have mercy no more. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your precious Word. I thank You, Lord. Though we acknowledge, Father, our wrong and we do not presume ourselves to be uh, righteous and not guilty and unworthy of any punishment, Lord, for our sins as a, as a state. Lord, the truth is we have tolerated far too long the wickedness of our nation. Many people in our state, dear Lord God, have embraced the gross sins, and only by a thin margin, dear Lord God, do we have control of our state capital. So close we came, Lord, this last election to having someone rule our state, Lord, who believes in homosexuality, who supports abortion, who doesn't fear your name. And he would have been our leader, and it was not too much of a margin. So God, we know we are a state running from God. We just haven't been running as fast as the, our, our brother's sister states. Lord, we confess our sins as a nation. And we pray, Lord God. You said if you pronounce judgment to pluck a nation up and to, to pull it down, that if that nation will repent, then you'll repent of what you pronounced against it. And Lord, I pray, we pray as citizens of this state today, as citizens of this nation, we know our true citizenship is in heaven. But Lord, as, as people put here to occupy until Jesus comes again, we confess the sins of our nation. And I pray, Lord, we'll do all we can to stand against them, to warn our neighbors, to work righteousness, Lord, in your sight, that, Lord, your mercy will be extended we pray for our leaders. We pray you'll give them wisdom. We pray, Lord, that we'll be able to live in peace and worship and prosper. Help us, Lord, to not be proud and think, dear Lord God, that we're unworthy of such judgment. But to remember, Father, Lord, judgment will eventually catch up to those who run from you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.